You may find this hard to believe, but 60 songs that explain the 90s, America's favorite poorly named music podcast is back with 30 more songs than 120 songs total. I am your host, Rob Harvilla, here to bring you more shrewd musical analysis, poignant nostalgic reveries, crude personal anecdotes, and rad special guests, all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Poppin', Logan Murdoch here, Roger Bell there. Roger, we have a friend of the show in the motherfucking building, live from Denver in the finals, Amino Hassan from Meadowlark Media. Amin, mm. how you doing? What's going on, bud? It's good to see you. Good seeing you guys, too. It's that time of year again. I'm in overcast Denver. Uh, this, by the way, this is why I always complain to the league. Like, I get it. We can't pick where we go for the finals, right? We can hope. Man, get the all-star games right then, man. Like, don't send, don't send us to goddamn Salt Lake City and Cleveland. And we gotta come to Denver and Cleveland for finals. Then send us nice places for the all-star break. How about that? Bro, don't get me gate. started on the all-star. Bro, the all uh, you know fucking we're here. Listen, I mean, there's gonna be no Salt Lake slander on. I am I'm headed out to Salt Lake. In you a week won't do it. There will be no Salt Lake slander it. on this. You won't do it. But in terms of the f- the the uh the hotel situation. In Salt Lake City during the finals, I mean during the All Star game, it mm-hmm. was it was a wild experience, bro. There's no way in hell that I should be staying at the same hotel as Julia Serving. It was it was insane. So this is specifically aimed at the hotel situation. Just for clarity, this was not an uh, overall yeah. general well, Salt Lake. Beer. Well, this Salt was Lake, like, a hotel. Sorry, beer. Yeah, like, I mean, I didn't look, want to like get this. Uh, there's a lot there's a lot of things the hotel is one of them (laughs) yeah hotel is one of them i i i was in the i was in a a sheridan that was built in like 1960 and updated like 1972 and just to give you the full clarity 
I had this <laughs> basketball without borders was staying in my hotel. So that's how I knew I was in deep shit. Like if I saw Dr. <laughs> J, I'd know they're going to take care of him. They, basketball without borders. Oh shit. Man. <laughs> that hotel has also a little mall kind of attached to it. I believe like I, that's where I stayed in man was that oh four training camp with oh. the jazz i stayed in that hotel right downtown there mm, i was at yeah. the city creek joint and i'm i'm a, i'm tall like i'm like six two six three right and the fucking uh the the uh roof was like at my head when i was taking a shower bro like it was like what the, like that's where that's that was what it was that's where we were you know it wasn't great it was not a great experience come on at nba again Again, again, all right? I will be in Salt Lake with my son <laughs> next week. Salt Lake is a fantastic town. Let's pivot to Denver, damn it. We're not going to do right. this. We're not going to start. Okay. This, the Jazz in Salt Lake have nothing to do with this pod. It's That's fine. true. This okay. is true. He's, he's just talking all Denver. this shit knowing that he's only staying in Park City, and he's just he knows he's going to have a great <laughs> But anyway, one thing that I do like about Salt Lake City <laughs> is the fact that the the airport is close to the general city, which cannot be said about Denver, where the NBA Finals is. So Pro I guess that's my pivot. Pro shit. I forgot about that. I forgot about. I literally I landed, got in an Uber. Like you know, you had the little uh, ways on the screen. It looked like a clear purple line and no reds. And I'm like, cool. We should be there soon. I looked at the ETA. Like 52 minutes. I'm like, what? Yeah. 52. And it's the we, abyss. Didn't, we didn't stop. We didn't stop once for traffic. It was straight shot and it was cornfields or I don't even know what the hell I was looking at outside. But um, I forgot. It's been a long time. It's been like 13, 14 years since I've been in Denver. So I completely forgot about this part. And all I could think of was the Miami Heat flew after game seven. And you know, after a conference finals cinch up, you don't just get on a plane and leave like a regular road trip. There's a bunch right. of shit that you have to do. Yep. And then they got on buses and then they went to the airport and then they flew three hours or whatever and landed. And then they had to drive another hour to get to their hotel. That shit ain't right, man. People talk about that, that uh, the um, the altitude and it is a thing. But, mm, yeah. you know, to your point, a lot of teams getting into Denver, especially when you're on those back to backs, like mm -hmm. that extra hour is it, it could be gold if you were in your bed. It's kryptonite mm -hmm. if you're on that damn bus, bro. It's a it is a brutal bus ride on the on the on the what sixth sixth and eighth night, and it's a back to back, mm -hmm. and you about to go to the crib after that game. It's brutal. Well, here's the worst part: if you're coming from Pacific time zone, Yo, you lose, lose an hour. Lose an hour. Yeah, so, yeah. You lose an hour, so it's like it's not just that we got in late. It's also oh, this extra hour here, boom, that's gone, <laughs> and then the hour on the ride. No, it's it's a like, like you said, the altitude, I don't know. I kind of think the altitude thing is kind of overrated. I feel like people get used to it pretty quickly. I mm. myself, I don't know, man. I've I've played pickup ball here. I've I've got people say, oh, don't go drinking like the altitude. I'm like, man, I shut down bars left and right, man. Like, <laughs> this ain't nothing. <laughs> but I, I like I'm always like confused by people. So the altitude, get out of here. But like I see why they play it up. Like why they have the 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 thing on the ground, you know, like at the free throw line. Mm -hmm. it Altitude says propaganda in Denver is insane. It's insane. It's but like it like it's it's your way of saying I I live in the toughest neighborhood. Don't come around here without like without having you know a a, 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 a like a fly zone or whatever you know pass or whatever. I don't know, man. I'm, I feel like that's just something people say to trump up like the the vibe and then. 
But then the other people say like, yo, I, I need an oxygen tank. I'm like, I don't know. Look, the, the, the altitude only really, it's a real thing in respect to the way I remember it. The first five minutes of play or vigorous right. activity, right? Like, so for the first five minutes, your chest is going to be burning and you can acclimate mm -hmm. to it like, like for a week. And that's still going to be the case. Like I've been out there for some stretches, but only the first five minutes, once you blow through that first wind, you're typically uh -huh. cruising and it doesn't become an, an issue the long, you know, as you move forward. But the first five minutes, those lungs feel like they're on fire. Usually. What, what about the end of the game? Nah, like nothing. The, one, like, nope. it, right. Nah, What's real, real talk. The, my, my memory of it, you know, having played in the NBA and spent some time out there with Olympic festivals and different things where you're there for a while is if you're not living in that climate year round, it's like a lot of places that are, that are dry heat and you're not used to mm -hmm. them or cold gyms, like your lungs are going to burn for a minute. And mm -hmm. then once you blow through that, I don't remember having any effects deep into the game. What's the, so I mean, you are in Denver right now, right? And we're mm -hmm. wherever we're at. Where what is the general vibe of how this series is going to go in the day in the days leading up? Are we in a place where because we're we I remember last week we're talking, we're thinking, man, whoever Denver plays, they're probably going to beat them, right? Like that, that's how good Jokic was, and that's how good that team right. looked. Now, I think we're having a little bit of recency bias with you know how great Miami has been over the last uh, you know in this series, but like or at least winning that game, right? We're having this. I feel, like I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like it's the opposite. When Miami looked like they were going to sweep too, I think people were saying, shit, this team, maybe this team, we just had them wrong. And they're, because they yeah. beat Boston and they beat Milwaukee, and these are the two best records in the league, and two teams that people thought would be in the finals, they beat them pretty handily. So right. I thought the vibe then was like, maybe, but Miami blowing the 3-0 lead like, I think it made people say, oh, wait, hold on. Beyond like Denver has rest and all that. It's just kind of feeling well. Maybe Miami was kind of fake, uh, fake, uh, fake hype or whatever, and that oh, Denver is is clearly going to win this pretty easily, regardless of who had won Game Seven. I think that's the vibe right now. I but like you know how the finals are. You, someone loses a game and then instantly it's like whatever we thought. This no, throw that out. Now we all believe that whoever won Game One is going to win it all, and that's the fun of it for me. For for the finals and playoffs in general is. 99% of the public and the media are so easily moved by one game. And the yeah. reality is like, this is just the beginning because whatever plan we had going into this, Roger, you know, this It's like, that's not probably, that's probably not going to be the plan for game two, win or lose. We're like, we're right. going to come back and try to anticipate what everyone else is doing and things are going to switch up and lineups are going to switch and, and it takes on a life of its own. Well, even within the locker room, like that's a really, the playoffs are unlike any other sport that I've been, the NBA playoffs. Um, you know, I imagine probably the NHL is like this with seven games too, but even players in the locker room, the complexion of that series from where you sit, depending on whether you win a game or lose a game, like can vary so drastically that it, it becomes, it becomes really, you know, a chore. Like you have to condition yourself to be like, yo, dude, do not, you cannot get too high with the highs or too low with the lows here. Nothing's really changed in terms of, in terms of what the, the 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 game plan is, and that's winning four. So we can't, you know, we mm -hmm. lost one or two, we gave one away or we stole one. Like you can't ride that emotion that that I mean is talking about with the uh with the public, right? And it's hard not to do times, but you have to condition yourself. That's why sometimes in the playoffs, you know, you see a team 
and they can be talented and playing as well as anybody. And you, and, and that's one of the factors in maybe not being ready, right? Like not mature enough. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know how to handle, you know, that success. We, yeah, the success or the failure of it, you know? Yeah. And, and that really is a skill that's developed by those veteran teams that win championships. Are you talking about the Boston Celtics? Because, I mean, we could talk about them. Is that what you were saying? Are you subbing okay. right now? Because we haven't talked. No, we haven't been back. We can, go, we can go at the Celtics if you want to go at the Celtics. Roger. No, if not specifically, bro. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily meant like that. But, I mean, they would, you know, they you saw them through the course of the playoffs struggle with both of those things. Right, even even in the course of games, struggle with early success in games, fall asleep at the yeah. wheel. I mean, I was just so surprised at just how mentally weak the Celtics were. They were so mentally weak, especially down the stretch of this Miami series. I know they won the two games, but to go out in the way that they did in Game Seven, what is, does that? Does it say more about Heat culture, or does it say more about how the Celtics were just in terms of how their psyche was during this postseason? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like, I think Miami just tough sons of bitches that even they could lose three in a row and still come out and have that belief that they're going to win. And and it's not, maybe not everybody on the team, but enough guys, especially when you got, like, when when you got guys like Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent, like, just dirt-working guys that, you know, I don't think the average fan thinks of as, like, because most people think, oh, in the big game situation on the road, the stars are the ones who are going to show up and the role players are, are a little nervous. Oh, I'm playing on the road, whatever. But oftentimes it's the opposite. It's like the role guys are the guys that are like the nuts of the situation and the stars draw like energy off of that. Like, oh, okay, whatever. So um, Miami for sure has that. But Boston, man, like, I don't think they ever got over what happened to them last year. I really don't. Yeah, I really nah, think, I think so that either. shit sat with them. And so when things go wrong, they go wrong very quickly for Boston. And we've seen that in leads that they've blown. We've seen that in them getting down and out in games and just like it's gone. There is a level, I think, of like, up oh, here we go again. That happens because it's, I mean, like this core has been around forever. They've been like eight conference finals or whatever. So one would think at this point, it's not an experience thing for them. It, it's like you got the yips, man. You get a little, you get clenched yeah. up a little bit when when that when those moments hit. You talked about Gabe Vincent, Caleb. See, those they don't give a fuck. They don't they don't give a fuck, right? There's no there's no real pressure associated with that. Like I ain't supposed to be here anyway. I can speak mm-hmm. to that. Like that's how I play. Like. People ask how you go in a game, and I didn't give a fuck. I didn't care. Like, yeah. I'm, I ain't supposed to be here. So I can play with a freedom that, you know, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, let's use by – they might not have that mm-hmm. freedom. Pressure's mounting on them. They, they've had these failures in the past. There's a level of care and of a legacy associated with what they're doing that I just don't have to deal with. You, you play to a house money, like, right. because if, if we lose, we're not talking about – unless you do something – R- ridiculously bad, right? Like, you, but right. but otherwise, like, no one say it's unless you right. <laughs> close like that. Won the series, won the series. That? It doesn't matter. Who did that? What the fuck? What right, unless, unless you lose your mind, unless you lose your fucking mind, right? Right. But like in, in general, we go out there, we lose. No one's like, man, Roger, what the fuck, man? Like they're not doing right. that. Like the, the stars. That's a, the the victor goes to spoils. When we win, they get all the credit. Right. And maybe more credit than they should have gotten. And then when we lose, they get all the blame and maybe more blame than they should have got. But that's the deal. That's why they get paid the big bucks, et cetera. 
The other thing is also, and I think people really forget about this part, because guys play roles in the NBA, there's often a belief of like, that's all they can do, right? Oh. So when they look at Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin, there are people who thought literally that's all these guys can do is guard and hit a couple of open shots. Right. And meanwhile, these guys have, everyone's got a scrapbook, right? Everyone's got a resume. Everybody was something at somewhere at one point. Tony Parker tells a story of coming over to the Spurs and Bruce Bowen is on his team. And he's like, the Bruce Bowen? Because Bruce played in France. And when Bruce played in France, he was balling. And Tony was a kid. And he's like, oh, my God, this dude. And he comes to San Antonio. He's like, this dude just stands in the corner and catches and shoots. And that's it? That's all he does on offense? Man, this guy was giving people buckets left and right. And the reality is, I'm not saying that Bruce Bowen had the talent to do that on an NBA level. But, like, given the opportunity, guys will revert back to a life that they lived in the past. Like ain't nobody was living a, a role player life their entire life, you know? So I you know, that, that I think that's some of the thing that like catches people off guard sometimes. Yeah, I say that all I say that all the time. Logan knows. Uh your your 13th guy on an NBA roster that's asked to come in and give up three fouls and looks like he's shaky with the ball and and you think he's a bum. Given given the opportunity to hop into a pickup game and and no pressure uh, and no expectations from a role, even in an NBA pickup game, will give you buckets. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So the the ability yeah. informals in, in a lot of cases are there. And I talk about as it, you know, my game w was streamlined for playing in Phoenix. Like when I went mm -hmm. to Phoenix, I was right on the cusp of like what kind of NBA player will he be? Had never really mm -hmm. been asked to do anything. Was was trying to find my sea legs offensively. Utah, because of this void of offensive like weapons, allowed me to handle the ball, post up a little bit, mm -hmm. um, play pick and roll. I wasn't really good in any of them, but I was able to score out of all positions on the floor because they were just empowering me to do that. And then in Phoenix, it's like, yo, we need you to fucking sprint to the corner. Yeah. And and to play on a good team and to earn a nice check, that's what you do. That's what you that's what you that's my job now. And that's what right. you're saying. Like I'm doing a job. Like hooping is the, in the purest form for fun, like I do a little bit of everything. Yes, I can rock out with the ball in my hands if I need to. I did it my whole life, but now this is my job. So I, until right. you ask me to do something else, that's why I'm gonna hold you down. It, it's such a there's such a like a thin line between being in the league, even in a rotation role, and then not being in the league. Like there's a lot of guys who are good players, but they haven't figured out. I always like to think of it as this one question that's the most important thing for every player to be able to answer truthfully, truthfully and accurately. Who am I? Because the guys who can't answer that question, they're lost. They, oh, they, yeah. they might be talented, but they, they don't find a place. And the guys who know the answer to that question typically are the ones that last 10, 15 years, whatever. I, I saw that my whole career. It's funny that you say that because there were so many dudes in camps definitely better than me. And you're talking about like one-on-one -on -one skill level, size, mm -hmm. speed, athleticism. But I used to use the term like when I was like, I talked to my dad who was like my confidant with that shit. He'd be like, yo, what's going on? I'd be like, that he's better than me. I'm telling you, like, I'm, I'm not an idiot. I do this for a living like that. He's better than me. But he might just be too good for his own good because he mm. doesn't understand <laughs> mm -hmm. that that's not what they're looking for, bro. That's not what they're going to be needing you to do. And he won't accept. A lot of a lot of times, like you know, you could fit in just accepting a little less and, and accepting that role. Remember, when we had a 
Juan, Juan Justiano Anderson on the pod, and he was talking about his pre-se- his first preseason with the Warriors, and he was passing the ball, he was setting screens and stuff, he was getting boards, and all his partners was telling him, hey, bro, why you ain't shooting the fucking ball? Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you idiot. I'm passing to Steph Curry and I'm setting the screen. That's how I'm going to make the team, right? And I think, that, and we're talking about just how diluted that is, like that, that certain people have. They have that, like, because the only metric that everybody sees is scoring, especially from a, a right. role player, right? That's the only metric that people see as success. Uh, with all that being said, though, who has the edge right now between these two teams from a bench standpoint? Uh, I'll start with you, Roger. Who you got? Who you got? Who do you think? Who has the uh, who has the edge going into this series? I mean, I would. I think Denver has the edge. I think over the course of eighty two. See, I, I like you're going to have to score the ball with Denver. Now the Heat put you in a tough spot. Like people, I've heard people say, you know, that zone can't work against Denver. That that zone only can't work if you're making shots. If you can't, if you yeah. don't make shots, that zone works. And mm-hmm. and and. That's going to be remain. That's going to remain to be seen. If Denver can step up and consistently make shots, you know, from the perimeter, they've done it through the course of a season. I think they tend to have the advantage. But I'm never going to bet. And I said this two pods ago. And it's, it, it, I'm not betting against a team like Miami, full of dudes that I just told you don't give a fuck. Um, you know, that aren't afraid to schematically flip it on you in the middle of a game and have someone who really understands what he's looking at, so he can do that on the fly. Um, mm-hmm. And and just generally is built from from the ground up with solid people. So they're not looking. I didn't see any single person in the Miami series at any given time look shook in the Miami Boston series. They didn't mm-hmm. look shook. Now they might not have played great. You know the law averages catches up. You can't shoot you know seven for nine threes every fucking night. They're going to be off nights. <laughs> but I can look in I can look in people's eyes. You no know, straight up. Like I can watch a TV and say, no, nah, he don't, he ain't, he don't want to play in that. Mm-hmm. And they don't have those type of dudes. So. While I'm telling you, Denver, I think advantage in terms of of uh, overall production and advantage in terms of best player on the floor, advantage in terms of, you know, accumulated rest because of the circumstances. I'm going to sit here and tell you, on the other hand, if Miami gets a hold of them, if Miami gets a hold of them, like Miami could be a problem. So two questions. Question one, is Tyler Hero playing or not? Because that that changes it. You're asking about depth. That changes everything. Because now sure. someone who's been starting and killing moves to the bench. Mm-hmm. And or or if they say, hey, we're keeping continuity, Gabe's playing great. Now you got Tyler coming off the bench against second units, right? That's that's one. Second of all, I love Bruce Brown. I think uh Jeff Green is smart and savvy and no, knows where to be at the right place. Christian Brown is is solid. He's young though. Name someone off their bench after that. That's three guys. One of them is a rookie. Yep. One of them is 100 years old. And the third guy is pretty good. Bruce Brown is good enough to be a starter in this league. Like, Miami's got a bunch of dudes. Guys that have played in completely different roles, been asked to do different things. Them moving Kyle Lowry to the bench was something I thought changed their season because it made Kyle Lowry better. He was terrible as a starter for them. But coming off the bench... Not only was it easier for him, but also he made their bench better. He makes that second unit move in a way that they were struggling to get offense out of earlier in the season. So if, you, if we're talking about depth, I think Miami's got him on depth. If we're talking about why Denver is a favorite to win the series, it's very plain and simple. It's 
Nikola Jokic. It's it's not Jamal Murray. No offense to him. It's not Aaron Gordon. It's not Michael Porter Jr. Because all those guys are the kinds of guys that Miami has faced in these playoffs and figured out, right? Jamal Murray, as great as he is, he's not better than Jason Tatum, right? Michael Porter Jr. is not better than Jalen Brown, or he's not better, and definitely not better than Giannis or Jalen Brunson or any of those guys, right? Like, they've seen these kind of characters. You talk about a seven-foot dude that leads the break and is throwing no-look passes and shooting threes, but then take your ass down to the block and just shoot over you because you don't have either the size or the length to bother him. They haven't encountered that. Like, the closest thing was Giannis, but Giannis ain't, Giannis doesn't bring the perimeter scoring part that keeps you off balance. So, and not the passing either that allows, that stops you from trying to swarm this dude. So when I, um, I look at the, the series, we say, who's got the edge in, in coaching? I would say respectfully, sorry, Coach Malone, but I would go with Spo. Who's got the deeper bench? I think Miami's got the deeper bench. Who's got like the, the, um, intangible, the greediness, the, the been there before, right? Like Miami's got that. Miami's got all that. But then it's like, who's going to win the series? Probably Denver because Nikola Jokic is better, better than all of that stuff combined. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I'm going to, I, the, the heat bench, I will give you this fractionally, like it, 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 fractionally. But I mean, like I love Kevin Love. I'm a big Kevin Love fan. I mean, come on, bro. Like, I, no. I, we, come but, on, bro. We're the... I will give it to well, you. Though, I'm, going, I'm going to concede it. But, I'm going to concede it. He's on the bench, I, and, he, and he's been big in the playoffs at moments. At moments, exactly. That. At moments. At moments. That. Yes. Like that, that, and that's all they need. It fucking hurts. He, I don't usually do this, but I'm giving it to you. That <laughs> <laughs> fucking hurts because you're right, but it, it's fucking fractional, and it's hard for me. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two for five dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. It's almost time to crown an NBA champion and FanDuel wants you to be a part of the excitement. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bet if your first bet doesn't win. I don't know. There's a bet that I like, man. Who will win tonight? I'm going to go with the Denver Nuggets. Who which player will score the most points and grab the most rebounds? Easy call. That's Jokic. That's my same game parlay. You know the thing I like about betting on FanDuel? The great promotions every day, the safe and secure app, and I get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on all the finals action than America's number one sports book. 
Visit FanDuel.com backslash Ringer NBA and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com backslash Ringer NBA. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com backslash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.FanDuel.com backslash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342, Arizona. 1 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat. 1 800 9 with it, Indiana. 1 800 522 4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com, Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP-LOUISIANA. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY New York. 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. This is this is interesting. It goes back to our discussion with the uh, the conference finals, with the Eastern Conference Finals, and talking about just will mm-hmm. and mentality and things like that. the The Miami Heat were one because, in a lot of ways, but most because they were able to impose their will on teams at Bucks and the Knicks and the Celtics. I mean, do they have a chance to impose their will on Denver? Because Denver's a tough minded team, man. Like Mike Malone ain't no punk. And it and it goes around mm. and it and it definitely like trickles down to his team, right? Like that's a hard nose. And they got dogs. That you, and they got dogs, they got dogs on dogs. their team. So yeah. when when Miami starts to bring the culture into Denver, is it going to work the way it's been working throughout the Eastern Conference? Because I feel like Denver's going to punch back because they have that in them. They have that dog in them. So then when Denver punches back, then what? So I think with Miami. Typically, when we think about Miami throughout the history of their organization since Pat Riley been there. A lot of times we talk about imposing their will physically, beating you up and just being that blue-collar bullshit that Pat Riley brought from with him from New York. This team is, I mean, like, it's like, you know, like a lot of stuff isn't basketball. It's just fighting, right? <laughs> like, but, but like this incarnation they don't do it like that. They just make the game ugly. And they, you know, Spo is talking about getting it from the mud. And he's talking about pulling it from the mud. And it's about slowing the game down. It's about junking it up with zones. It's about uh, these unorthodox lineups. Um, and for them, I remember there was a game, I think they, they beat the Knicks, one of those games, like 98, 95 or something like that. And Spo came in to the press conference smiling. Because it's like, that's how we like to win. We don't like them 120 to 108 games. We like these ugly-ass games where no one can make a shot. Like, game six, had they won that game, that would have been, like, the best-case scenario for them. Not just logistically, because you don't have to fly to Boston and do all that other stuff, but just the idea of, like, wow, that's our kind of win, where we played, like, shit all game long, but through sheer will and making this game ugly, uh, we could can, we can pull out the win. Um 
The question is, so can they do that to Denver? I think absolutely. They can make it not fun. Jamal Murray, if you watch him play, he's very much a fun guy. Like, he likes it flowing and moving and, a lot of and in a rhythm. Michael Porter Jr. Vibes, right? Michael Porter Jr. This, this is not criticism. It's just that's the way they like to play, right? Miami is going to, that's their game plan is to disrupt that, to make everything a slog, to make everything just, you got to work for it. And even you're scoring your points, but they're not pretty points. They're not rhythm points. They're not vibe points. The one deal breaker in all this is Nikola Jokic. Can you, can you shake him out of that? I, I'm not sure they can. They don't have the depth at, at center. I mean, after Bam, it's like Kevin Love. Like Zeller. <laughs> yeah. Cody Zell, Cody's all man, the Zeller minutes Cody's as they call him. Like it's it's, it's, it's at a point where it's like I'm I'm not even sure. Like Bam, who's one of the great defensive players we have in the league, I'm not even sure he can junk it up. Even if I gave him unlimited fouls, like if I gave him ten fouls instead of six, I'm not yeah. sure he could throw them off because it's just the guy's that good. The problem, the pro, yeah, the problem with that for the Heat is is it you can you can to use your term slog stuff up and junk it up and muck it up um, as much as as much as you want when you're not forced to be in any sort of help situations like mm -hmm. when, when you don't when you don't have to pull a secondary defender into a help situation um, and then the ball starts moving and they don't have anyone that's going to play him one-on-one -on -one over the course of time successfully you might have some minutes mm -hmm. you might have a game where you do that successfully like with bam you know yep. but that's yep. a tall order to ask him over the course of a series to handle that joker no pun intended by, you know, by, by right. himself. So now as, as maybe the most brilliant passer in the league with a help defender in a, in a rotation, it, 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 it just takes away your ability to effectively clog everybody else up and make Jamal play, right. you know, in, in that right. box of shit that you want him to play. in. now he's playing in the, in the tuxedo again. And that, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be the problem though. Right? Like that's, that's the, that's what, 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 Joker does to you on the court. It's going to be really important, I think, just to get to if you asked if the Heat can get them into a game like that. The Heat, the Heat have to get them into a game like that, and in my estimation, need to win one of the first two. So let me ask you this: in your belief, you going into the series, you know, you know what we're dealing with or whatever. Do you say, look, that dude's great? We're not going to stop his greatness. We cannot impact his greatness. Let him be yeah. great. But I'll be damned if anyone else. So we're going single coverage. Let him, let him do whatever. And, but everybody else suffocates. I talk about that all the time. Absolutely. Like, I'm, I'll take, I mean, I'll take you back to the, the, the Spurs series when we would play mm -hmm. the Spurs when we were the Suns. And their, their game plan was Let's we're going to let Steve or Amari, one of those two in the pick and roll, yep. are going to score. But we're not coming over to help. So yep. we're not going to let LB get 15 and Raj isn't going to mm -hmm. get 12 and, you know, whoever else isn't going to get 15, 16 to supplement that. Sean Marion is effectively nullified like those 20 <clears> because <throat> we're just going to sit somebody with him. And we don't think that that's going to be enough to beat us. So I would come out of the gate and just see what he does. Like if 40 is in the bag for him and he can't get 12 assists to triple double and everybody else eats and we win. Well, that's going to be a lonely, it's going to be a lonely series for you, Bam, but we're staying home. Kobe was the same way. For sure. For sure. Let him score. Let him shoot. We, we want, like, we wanted him. It's weird. It was a weird mind game. We wanted him to lose faith in his teammates. 
Well, that 2006 series where you guys where it turned when you guys started letting Kobe make shots, right? When he start when because in the beginning of that 06 series, what was he doing? He was getting the ball to Kwame Brown. He was getting the ball to like guys. People were hitting shots. Trying, he was running and, triangle. And he was running triangle to a T. And then I think right after like after game game five, it switched because you guys just started saying, "All right, Kobe, just fucking." Just start make everything you want. He had fifty in that game six, and then the the Lakers lost in in, in overtime. Yeah, I remember that. Logan, do you remember? Do you remember? But do you remember what the conversation was at that time? Was the conversation was nobody uh, because here's the thing: we didn't have a reputation as a defensive team, so nobody right. realized that this was a deliberate thing that we did. Instead. They all said, well, early in the series, Kobe was passing and they were winning. But now he's a ball hog and he wants to shoot. And that's why they're losing. And so he goes into game seven. And remember, that's the infamous he went on strike game, right? Mm -hmm. He goes, oh, y'all don't want me to shoot? Okay. And we blew them the fuck out. But it was all, it was all based on the same thing. It's like Kobe Bryant is at his most advantageous for us when he does not have belief or faith so you're saying the best defender on the Suns was the media? <laughs> <laughs> but we t- we've talked about this before, though. Like, there were, here's the deal with a cat like Kobe, and I imagine this could be the same with Joker. Like, there were times within the game, like, obviously, goading him into doing that was, was a huge part of the strategy, right? Like, look, man, let's turn this into a one-on-one. Let's just, mm-hmm. let's see if he'll take the bait of, like, he's got to score 50 because he don't think nobody can stop him, right? Like, that's... Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a, you're playing into, you know, the greats don't think anybody can stop them. So that's an right. easy thing at times to get people to bite on. Uh-huh. But selectively within that, there are times and there were times where Mike would be like, "Hey Raj, we're going to send we're going to send something at him." Do you know what I mean? Just to try to get yes. him, try to give Switch him a different up. look every now and again, right? But what is something at him? What does that mean? Like a double. Like a double, like a, okay. Like Amari's coming out of here, Trix is coming in to double him, or like, what, is, what does that mean? Our double would usually be Sean to, 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 yep. to, to come help me, or it would be me to go help Sean. Like, you know, because you know, it wasn't usually, Amari wasn't interested sure. in that all the time. But, but uh, <laughs> the fact was, you gave him that different look occasionally, just enough to keep him honest or off balance, whatever you want to call it, knowing that the staple was going to be, hey, man, if he can score 50 on you, bro, it's going to be a long night, but that's what's best for us. The interesting thing about that is, you're right. First of all, the great players, you can't give them the same thing over and over again because then they start, the little computer starts doing like, okay, hold on. like yeah, So like you, you got to randomize shit, like sending them guys, sending guys from different spots, right? Like not only, you know, uh, Dublin, well, say we're going to double with Sean, but like sometimes Sean will come from the nail. Sometimes he come from, from the other side. Like, so you got to mix up those things. But also, like, I, I saw Kevin Garnett talk about this where he said, like, even the way he guarded, he would guard him individually. Forget about help or no help. So one time I'll pick him up full court, like, and like, we're going to eat up this whole clock. The next time I'll meet him at half court. The next time I'll sprint back and, and go right into the paint. And so mm-hmm. like, the idea is like, getting that routine out of the way because if you have routine then they can read that and then you're playing into their hands yeah i think it's especially especially with uh you know someone who's as gifted with the ball as as the joker like not just scoring the ball but if you're giving him consistency in terms of looks defensively Mm -hmm. he's so dangerous because he'll shred you passing it too 
You know, so yep. if you're coming from the same spot or the rotation's going to be real similar, like you're basically just giving him a script. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's he, all he yeah. got to do is memorize it at that point. Yep. It's a it's a it's a decision tree for him. If this guy is here, that means that guy's open. That's right. Bang, bang, bang. Your he's, progression. He's, like we're said, going right through our progression. Here we go. You know, it's interesting because we're talking about Jokic and how to guard him, this singular guy, right? Like the, your 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 anecdote to to guarding him is guarding everyone else. But I'm, I want to switch it to the other side where you got a, a cat like Jimmy Butler, who every person that I've talked to and every person that I've seen, you know, when you watch him play, he is a guy that adjusts to what the game tells him to do. Right. Like, so it, it makes it a little harder, right? If he has to score 50, I guess he has to score 50, Mm -hmm. but he's also really good at, at facilitating and being great that way. Like he did in game seven. I mean, how do you guard a guy like Jimmy Butler at this stage where he's not tripping off of like getting 10 or 12 assists if he has to, but also will let the game dictate where he goes with it. How do you guard that? So so there's a couple of things. One is, I think, and it's easier, way easier said than done. You got to keep him off the free throw line. Like that's the central shit for him. If he shoots four for 20, if he's shooting 12 for 20, he's trying to go to the free throw line nine, 10, 11 times a, a, a game. So to be able, the ability to foul without defending is huge because he's such a physical presence. I would think that uh, uh, Denver would put uh, like uh, put Aaron Gordon on him at times, right? I'd rather have him than him have KCP trying to fight. KCP is a great defensive player, but like Jimmy's big, man. And, size, and he's going to take him. On him. Yeah, you need size on him. So that's, that's one. Two is... Unlike Jokic, where if he gets passing, I think you're in trouble. I'm more comfortable allowing Miami's guys to shoot, but selectively. Meaning, Max Struess, streaky. Duncan Robinson, streaky and also can get in his head, right? Uh, When he misses a couple of easy ones. Um, Lowry, streaky. Kevin, like, there are guys where I'm like, "I'll, I'll, I'll do the same thing where I'm mixing it up. Sometimes I'm double, sometimes I'm not. But I'm also being selective on who's the man who's helping here because we don't want Gabe Vincent or Caleb Martin, who are guys who are shown consistently through these playoffs, we are shot makers. We want the guys that will go through a little slump to have them kind of guessing, am I getting the ball? Am I not getting the ball here? And I'd be more comfortable with help defense in that regard than I would against Jokic because I think Jokic, A, is a better passer. When I say better passer, I mean – his ability to locate the less than obvious target and his ability to deliver the ball because there are guys who see it, but they're just like, I can't get it there. And then there are guys who just don't see it. Um, He's got both of those things on lock. He's a more dangerous, even though Jimmy's a good passer as well. I just, I just feel like I'm more comfortable sending help towards him because otherwise all that's going to happen is he's going to beat somebody up and get to the free throw line. And that's the part, again, when we talk about slowing the game down, that's what they want. They want you to take the ball out after free throws and walk the ball up. That's interesting. Cause as you, as you were I'm trying to think about, as you were speaking, I was trying to figure out how I would play him. And, and I think length, I think length with, with, with Denver and their ability to maybe switch pick and roll, I wouldn't be afraid to put KCP on him early necessarily to mm-hmm. see what he did with him. But I think you're right in terms of length overall when he gets in that paint and he tries to start pump faking. You saw him have troubles at time in the Boston series with the length, trying to finish over it. I, I would, my game plan, Jimmy Butler, 
left. Make him move left as much as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Keep him moving to his left hand. Um, he is going to try to get back to the right. They're going to bring some mm -hmm. sort of pick and roll. I'm going under the first pick and roll. If they rescreen, because that's always going to his right hand almost. So if they rescreen that pick and roll, which is what you're taught to do when he goes under, I'm now mm -hmm. going to hit that, right? I'm going to let, I'm going to hit that, making him go left and seeing if he can spit it back out to the right hand side. That's usually bam out of bio up at the top of the key. If he goes right, I'm jumping for no reason at all. None. I'm not leaving the floor, right? I wall up, hands high. If he made a great adjustment in game seven without the pump fake, but his natural inclination is to want a pump fake. He's trying to get to the line. Yeah, he wants that line. Yeah. It's like D Wade. Yeah. Their natural inclination is to pump fake. So they're breaking right. habit when they don't pump fake. I'm staying mm -hmm. down, making you finish over the length. And anything moving to his right hand out on that perimeter when he's going, you know, full speed to a corner, just give him that. I don't understand why cats still run on that shit trying to block it. Like, it's a foul or he's making or missing it. You're really not affecting it. Right. So just fucking give him that and keep him off the free throw line. But make him move left, under pick and roll, and wall up in the paint. Who's a guy that you guarded, Ra, that physically was like that? Would, would, it, be, would it be Wade? Would it be Brandon Roy? Who, who's a guy that was kind of like, this is going to be a long night down here Mello. as opposed to... Oh, Melo, of course. Yeah. Melo. Fucking Melo, man. <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect comp, like not necessarily looking the same in terms of aesthetically, but mm -hmm. it could beat you from the perimeter. Um, mm -hmm. You know, n great mid-range pull-up. And, you know, once he got you below that, like, I don't know, half free throw line around that semicircle, mm -hmm. I mean, if help didn't come, you were in trouble for someone my size. Now, right. again, if Jimmy Butler has, you know, six eight six nine on him and they're just going to be vertical. Right. He's you know he's six seven bro that's a that's advantage I think Denver getting him in there but I think there is a blueprint to guard Jimmy it's just you know shit's easier said than done yeah exactly there's a part of it that's just literally just like discipline it's so weird it's just like hey like we talk about that pump fake like hey man stay down on the pump fakes all right cool and you know how many times guys got that in the oh, first fuck. fucking pump the first pump fake like they bite like ah shit. <laughs> got me bro he got me i try to tell kids all the time like bro you're not fucking blocking that so it was easy for me right i guess that's what made me good in some scenarios like i know that i'm not blocking your shot or i know i can't steal the ball from you like so right. i'm not even gonna try so then when you go to move guess who's standing there yeah me because i ain't i'm not blocking yep. it it's interesting denver's had like just this interesting time in the postseason right because they get on the on the easy side of the, of the Western Conference bracket, we didn't probably know that. It's it's interesting to say like that. They played against KD, and they played against Book, and they yeah. played against these guys. But you know, they play against the aging LeBron, and that Lakers team was just it just they just didn't have it in there. Like the Denver was clearly mm -hmm. a better team. The better what team. What does yeah. what does Denver have to prove in this series? after the, the postseason that they've had and just over the years that they've had, what is the biggest thing that they need to to prove in, in, in this series? I, I think if it had been any other opponent, if it were the Celtics, then I, I wouldn't think they'd have to prove anything. I think this is the progression. You want to win. Of course, the goal is always to win, but like, I think people would tip their cap. Well, Milwaukee's a hell of a team too. Boston's a hell of a team. But playing against Miami... Regardless of the run they've had in these playoffs, they are still the eight seed that lost its play-in game and was 10 minutes away from losing its second play-in game. And if and people are going to look at Denver if, if they lose this series 
and say, wait a second, hold on. So you beat a playing team in the first round. You beat the Suns uh, in the second round, but they, they're kind of shorthanded, right? You beat the Lakers who are a playing team in the third, in the conference finals. And then you went to the finals and you lost to a playing team. Like how good were you guys really? Like it was right. set up for you to win and you guys didn't get the job done. I, I don't, I'm not a big, like when Giannis talked about that whole speech and everybody was gooing on themselves about like, oh yeah, it's the journey. It's not the, yes. In general, yes, he's right. Because every year there's only one winner. And so you have to be able to draw positives on all of this experience, right? Ha but that doesn't apply when you are supposed to be the dominant team and you don't bring it home, right? Right. Miami, like, again, I, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm saying Miami ain't shit. But I watched them all season long, man. <laughs> I watched them. <laughs> I watched them almost lose to the Chicago Bulls, who are not Lord. a good team, right? At home, dog. I'm sorry, Milwaukee. You cannot lose to them, and if you do lose to them, that is a failure because you had expectation on your side. Not expectation to go to finals, win championships, but just the expectations of the right now. Like I'm better than this person. If I go into a fight against Mike Tyson, and I knock Mike Tyson out. You can't tell me Mike Tyson sit there well, like, well, it's the journey. Like, no, that was a failure, dude. I let Amino Hassan knock my ass out. <laughs> he said, fuck Buster Douglas. Fuck Amino Hassan. <laughs> I'm saying, man, like, that's a failure. Any way you want to cut it, like, that's a failure. You, you, too often, this is, I'm really big on, do your fucking job, man. Do your fucking job. So many times people don't do their job, and then, like, they, oh, well, like, look, man, I didn't ask you to be the best ever. I asked you to do your job, like just this, the, in the micro. You're supposed to win these games. You're not, and if you lose these games, let it be because someone got suspended. Let it be because someone got kicked out of a game. Let it be uh, because someone hit a, a miraculous shot at the end of the game with 0.2 seconds left. Don't get your ass beat, man, by the team that was losing double digits to the Chicago fucking Bulls, man. That's a failure. And so Denver loses to Miami. I'm sorry. Like people can say oh, it's a journey and all that shit, and we can we can drum up their path that Miami's had, and they're good enough to be here and all that stuff. Yes, and also you had far and away the best player on the floor. You you had home court advantage. You had altitude that you guys bitch about all the time and put numbers on your floor to like tell people how tough it is to play here. You had everything every on your side. Every fucking timeout. <laughs> I mean, yeah. every timeout they have those the, fucking the, signs up. Oh my god. Yeah. The announcements. Oh you, had, you had a week, a week plus of rest and scouting, right? Like you guys had all the time in the world to read what where everyone's doing and and have scout teams that are like, okay, you're gonna be like Jimmy Butler in this scenario, and or you're gonna be like Jason Tatum in this scenario. They had all the time in the world. They had every advantage on their side. Miami just got off a flight, bro. Like. If you can't win this, I'm sorry, that is a failure. So that that it's one of those awful legacy things where it's like, if you win, that was what you were supposed to do. If you lose, oh man, you choke. Yeah, it's a it was it, it's definitely a tough card to kind of draw as your first finals card, right? Because had it been anybody else in any other real circumstance with a better team coming out of the East, and you could essentially like show well in the playoffs, not get it done, and we'd be saying, Hey man, like, yeah, dude, they're on, you know. It's the next mm -hmm. step in the journey for them, but you're, you're fucking right. Like you lose to the Heat with all of these advantages you have, and and we will be painting a different picture. And that's I think that they're going to get tested. The Nuggets are going to get tested on 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 a few fronts, and I think 
the biggest being strategically. Like what Eric Spolstra and the Heat have shown to be to, to have been able to do, you know, through the course of multiple playoffs is throw different shit at you that you have to have an answer for. And it's going to be interesting to see how Denver handles that. Like I like Mike Malone. I think he's a great coach, but I, I haven't seen him tested by anyone throughout these playoffs like that. And so having answers mm-hmm. for that is going to be critical. And because of everything that you just said, um, if and it takes me back to one of the first things I said, if Miami gets their hands on them, and by that I mean can get a win early in this series, like can start the pressure mounting on the Heat because we're talking about pressure and expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Like and the Heat are still that fighter that comes in that I told you does not give a fuck. Like I told you about different players on their team, but as a collective right now, they don't give a fuck. Well, we got to lose. Yeah, we are. We are a playing team. We did almost get beat. I mean, they're like. They're like B-Rabbit on the mic right now, right? Like, I'm going to tell you everything you're going to say against me right now. So, like, if if they should get a win in terms of strategy and Mike Malone company can't figure something out early or just generally catch a game where, you know, it, sometimes it's hard when you've been sitting at home and you haven't been playing real basketball in the midst of the most heightened, intense basketball on the planet um. for you to take a weak pause that shit can throw your rhythm mm-hmm. off. You come out, you're not hot. Miami's hitting shots. You fuck around and let a game slip. Now we got we have problems. I'm real talk. You'll have problems. One last thing to add on top of that. Also, how you handle adversity, right? Like mm. Denver, I don't believe has been down in a series this this entire time. Like how you handle it's everything's cool when we're winning. Like everyone does the right thing. Yeah. Even if we lose a game, but we're up in the series, everyone's like, all right, no problem. When you're down in a series. And all of a sudden, like, guys start Especially having Especially in a place ideas. that you've never been before. Especially in mm-hmm. a place you've never been before. Um, Raja, you are our beef correspondent you know, for the pod. You, you're the one that analyzes it all. What is your... <laughs> how do you gauge this, this storyline that's coming up in this, in this series that came really late, right? Like, I, like, almost where you forget about it. The Markeith Morris, Jokic, beef... That oh. is like that the Miami Heat have somehow taken on as a storyline of the series. Is it going to affect how the Miami Heat go into this series at all? One iota. Have they really? Is, is that a thing? It became a storyline like out of thin air, bro. Like, I don't know. I wasn't there. But like, I'm thinking about like, man, the Heat have just had a great seer- season and they they, they 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 go through the playoffs and get to the finals. That's the story. And then somebody asks if it's Ira or somebody, but somebody asked Jimmy about it, about the beef from last year. And it became like a little storyline, man. It, what's up? I mean, I guess I could make a case for like any little bit of incentive or bulletin board material would would be helpful. But I, I am in, of the school of thought that if if the Heat needs some shit like that at this point, I'm, we can write them off. And, I, and I'm and i not writing them off. So I don't think it's a thing to them. Like, I mean, where the fuck is Markeith Morris? Like, I like Markeith Morris. I don't mean no shame, but where where is he? Like, where, why would the Heat even give a shit about? And if I'm being honest, like, if you're... If you're concerned with shit like that at this point in any way, shape, or form, you have completely taken your eyes off the ball. Do you know what I mean? Not enough time, not enough energy and reserve, not enough emotional bandwidth. Like, yo, bro, we are here to get this. We want one win. Let's get one. Let's get one of one. And if we do that, like, who knows what happens in game two? And and now we got a snowball effect. I ain't worried about no damn Morris. It got axed, which was hilarious. It was so hilarious that it got axed. But I, I just like the idea of like somewhere Udonis Haslam is sitting him down and like, all right, guys, 
y'all remember what these guys did to, like <laughs> like Max Schroes was like barely playing he wasn't in the rotation yet but then like Caleb Martin had a completely different role uh, Gabe Vincent I don't even know if he was on the roster at that point I think he was like a midseason thing Haywood Highsmith wasn't there like like it's just the idea of guys like oh yeah uh, yeah I guess yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's it, it's 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 like the most tenuous of like like Roger said, like it's just one of those things where it's fun to talk about. But anyway, it's like people thought like Grant Williams somehow like ended the series by talking shit to Jimmy Butler. I'm like, first of all, he did the best job of he actually fought when everybody else was, was only laying down. Fought. You know, no one else had his back. No one else no, had I was back. like, yeah, and they, they let they let him get torched. But like, I was like, Grant Williams actually played a he played one of the best <laughs> games for the Celtics did that you game. See, did you see at the at the after Grant Williams did that? They asked Jalen Brown. So, what did you think about Grant Williams' actions? He goes, "Next question, <laughs> come on." <bro>. So, <laughs> no, every everybody they asked. Hold on, they asked Spo, they asked Missoula, they asked Jimmy, they asked. They asked Jason Tatum. Everybody said the same thing. Like, man, that's just basketball. I didn't think anything of it. Like, you know, guys talk. It's it's competitive, da da da. Everyone said the same thing. Jalen Brown said, next question. I'm like, bro, you, all you had to do is just lie. Even if you believe, <laughs> like, yes, this shit blew us the game. You can't say next question. I hate when people do that, man. I'm like, come on, man. Y'all think he's coming back? Jalen um, Brown. Why are you asking me that, man? They hate me over there, bro. Why are you asking me that <laughs> shit? Go ahead, Roger. <laughs> Go ahead, Rob. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no one yeah, knows. I, 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 I really said, "Do you know. think?" I don't really know. I said, "I said, do you think?" They think he's coming back. I, I, I think he should come back. That's a grandiose bag. I mean, that bag is it's a large bag. I don't know. I think they, I think they should sign him. I think that I think they should. I think they should sign him. That's what I'll say. I think that he should sign. Yeah, dude. T- look, I said it before. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know where his head is at in there or anything like that. But if I have two All NBA players. You know, like one first team and a second team, bro. That's hard for me to. That's hard. That's hard for me to give up. I'm more worried about. I'm more worried about Jason Tatum hobnobbing in the summertime after he got beat again. You know, like last year when he's like he just got he got embarrassed last year and is over here partying all the time, like just outside, bro. I want my stars in the gym after they get embarrassed, bro. That's what I'm more concerned about with this team. Are they going to be embarrassed and just use that energy to fucking? win the finals next year, bro. That's what I be that's what that's my beef with the with the Celtics, bro. They're one of the most talented, if not the most talented team in the league. But they lay eggs, bro, because they worried about the wrong shit. Sorry, B. I, I mean, I, I think I think, yeah, no, no. There's there's something missing for sure. But like also, they win 50 plus games a year, game a year, every year. They've been to five conference finals. Like yeah. I don't. I don't think it's a massive overhaul that's needed here. It's. It might be a tinker, but it, yeah, I don't, I don't like, think. I, I don't. But I, I don't think trading Jalen Brown is the is the thing that's going to get you over the top, especially at this point. Who not. like look at it like next next year in the Eastern Conference? Like who? Their 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 best competition is going to be what it always has been is Milwaukee and themselves. Milwaukee. Like. The, right. the Sixers are go, not going to have James Harden next year. You know, like who, who else are you thinking Man, is a good. legitimate threat to this team? Like, you know what it feels like <laughs> they're missing to me. Real talk, like it feels, uh, and I don't know who this player. It feels like they're missing a heartbeat. Like if it feels, yeah. it feels like they're missing like a, a a heartbeat. I don't have a better way to really describe it. Like that guy that 
in their moments. Their heartbeat of last year was in- MAU Doka, though. That was a thing. That was their heartbeat. Yeah. But even then, yeah. right? But even then, what happened in the finals, right? Like it's the same thing happened. So I guess when you, if you talk about if they would have had continuity with MA, that they probably would have developed that mental toughness. But I just I don't know. Like I, well, you got I, Steph, I don't know. you got Steph in the finals, bro. Like there, yeah. there's nothing like, like there's nothing to be like hide your head in, in shame about there. I mean, you get Steph Curry in the finals. Like there's a lot of motherfuckers that can say that. Like that's not that's not the there, same to there, me as what just happened. There's a there's an element of I, I, this is the thing that that Steph and LeBron and and the, the great great players of our game have on their side, especially when playing against younger teams. Which is every young team I think goes into those series like we can beat them, we're gonna beat them, da da da. And then you start playing, and then like the things start happening because when those teams win, these they're telltale signs. And I believe young players watch and they say. Oh shit! I saw this when I was like in the ninth grade when when they were I was watching those finals yeah. and he's doing yeah. that thing and now he's doing it to me. Well, it's interesting, bro, because like even like with with to your point on that, like Jalen Brown was at Cal the seventy three and nine year. He was at Cal. He was he would. I remember I was talking to him like in January. He was talking about bro. We used to go to the games all the time with Nick, right? Like <laughs> yeah, with Nick Kerr, exactly. right? Like so like with Nick. It's so. <laughs> There's a level of this like you you can't put into words. These kids still have that. I think this is what LeBron still has over the league is that all these little dudes went to LeBron's camp, right? They're like, oh, fuck. Like, I was 12 when I went to his camp. I see him now in the flesh. This is crazy. It's But it's more, Logan, it's more than that. It's a level of like, you see, like Steph, for instance, you say one shot, two shot, three shots. And you're like, oh, fuck. I've watched this movie before. Like I've yep, seen this movie yeah. before. It's like it's like being in a movie with Freddy Krueger, and then you're like, oh yeah, he's gonna kill me. Like it's a Freddy Krueger movie. Like that's there's a level of that that I think occurs, and you have to fight through that fear and come on the other side. Game seven, Sacramento. Like oh yeah, we're better. Oh we're the better team. Oh we, like we got y'all number. Mike Brown has every scheme and everything. Da da da. And then game seven hit. It's like oh shit. Like yeah. I've seen this yeah. movie before. We don't win you know, this crazy one. You know, like that was that was funny because I was thinking about like the anecdote. That, that anecdote is really hilarious because I was thinking about that when the Warriors were playing the Lakers going into after that series. It was like, yeah, the Warriors got Steph and they got my control, but they're going up against a team that don't give a shit about that, right? They have LeBron and then they, yeah. who and then by yep. extension has AD. So it's just interesting how that comes about. But like my thing is this with the Celtics. Like is can Jason Tatum turn into that dude? Like at times he's that he's an MVP guy, but can he turn Damn. into that dude of like I'm motherfucking Jason Tatum? I am Jason Tatum. Can he turn into that on a night to night basis? That's definitely a question that needs to be asked, asked and answered. My take on the Celtics is, you tell me. I think my I, my theory on the NBA is you have to have honest-to-God passers. And what I mean by honest-to-God passers, I mean, like, I'm not passing because everything collapsed and I guess this is the only, this is the right basketball play. I'm going to pass it. I'm talking about guys who are thinking when the ball hits their hands, who can I pass this to, right? Move it. Moving it, right? The teams that win year in and year out have those guys. The teams where it's like, oh, yeah, I pass it when, like, the shot isn't there, they, they hit a ceiling. And to me, I look at Boston and people say, oh, they got Brogdon. I'm like, Brogdon's not that guy. I love Brogdon, but he's not a, a he's a he's a score first guy. And Tatum and Brown and Smart thinks he's a score first guy, right? 
and, and Horford kind of, but he's just not as involved in the offense to, to reach out. It's got to be someone who gets a ton of touches. Yeah. And so, you know, like, is there a toughness thing? Yes, I think there's a toughness thing going on. Is there like um, a, our stars need to level up Tatum with his toughness, with his like fortitude and uh, Brown with maybe adding a left hand, <laughs> sue me there, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Th- those are, there's always room for improvement in those areas. But I think roster wise, they need like, I'm trying to think who's a, oh, like Mike Conley. If Mike Conley mm. played for the Celtics, it'd be a massive game changer. Not because Mike Conley is that nice at this stage of his career, but because he fucking knows how to get guys and keeps track of like, okay, this guy's got to go and guys, we got to go this way. You need someone who thinks like that. And when you don't have someone who thinks like that, you are susceptible to these ups and downs because you're just hoping everyone does the right thing. That's the tough part about, I imagine, I'm not, I mean, uh, it's a tough part about roster building in today's NBA because in the old NBA, like you had guys that clearly fit molds. Like we talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Like this is Raja, here's what you're, this is what you're here to do, right? Like Logan, yep. this is your job. Now at any given time, you know, we have one guy that's going to have the ball in his hands and do the lion's share of the work. He is going to mm-hmm. delegate and kind of parse out, you know, and make sure you get what you need here and there. And then you do your job within the, the confines of what you asked you to do now in this game. Everyone can play with the ball in their hands, right? Yep. And this is the interesting part, I mean, about what you said. Like, everyone, they want all these guys that have a skill set. You hear they got to be able to make plays. We need more people that can make plays. Yeah, you only need a couple really good playmakers. And then you mm-hmm. need dudes that understand what you're talking about. When that shit swings to me, when it comes from Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, it's not my job to make a fucking play with, like, four bounces it's my job to either shoot it quickly, uh, drive it into a gap, or move it. Mm-hmm. Not to like back out and bounce four times and get into my bag. Yep. And so you've got like just marginal and fractional duplication of skill sets that mm-hmm. eventually have a lot of overlap because you got four or five dudes that, okay, I'm not as good as Jason Tatum in that, but I'm kind of similar in that regard. I get it and I want to get in my bag. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, as yep. a league, people are asking for more playmakers. But goddamn it, you can't have. That's why Golden State's works so well. There's so many of them that don't see themselves as primary playmakers. It's only a couple. Precisely. Precisely. Like, and Boston has a lot of dudes that want to shit. You got <laughs> smart ones to be a playmaker. Fucking, mm. you know, Brogdon Tatum, wants to be Brown, a playmaker. Tatum, even what's the bull's name um, that hit the shot? Uh, the send Derek White. To, uh, with send Derek, Derek White. White. And he's and he will accept a lot of times that he's not the playmaker. But given right. the opportunity, he goes into playmaker mode. I knew it was over when when Derek White is out here in Game Seven driving and say, "Let's go, let's get the team, let's uh, go down 19. <laughs> I was like, "It's over, it's fucking over." Hey, but not, <laughs> hey, but not for not for nothing though. He was he was rocking for a while. He kept that's him afloat for like seven that's minutes. His, that's true. But Roger, you will admit this. Oh no, they, yeah, yeah. Derek you know, White I mean, can't be doing that. It'd be, we need no, Jalen and Jason to fucking be doing this shit. But anyway, yeah, you are right. fire really quickly before we get to real of the week. Uh, who wins the finals and in how many games? I'll go first. I got Denver in six. Rah, who you got? Actually, you know what? No, no, this is what I said. This is what I said. This is what I said. I got Denver in five or seven because I just don't know if they, I don't think that they get a game six in Miami. I don't know if they do that. So I'll say five or seven. Is that fair? Um, yeah, I like Denver. I like Denver in six. I like your original one. I, I, okay. I, man, this is a, like a fairy tale ride for the Heat, man. And I won't be pulling for them to lose, but God, dog, man, that, doesn't that shit got to end at some point? I mean, right. Huh? I, that's I, what we keep telling ourselves. I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna take Denver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm gonna take Denver and six. I don't. I don't know, man. I'm gonna take Denver and six. I I think I'm gonna go 
I'm going to go Denver. Denver That's in tough. six. I wanted to say Denver in five, but I was like, but it, it, like to me, it comes down to one thing and one thing only. I just don't think Miami has the personnel to deal with Jokic. Yeah. I, I literally, I give Miami the edge in every other category. Some in small ways, some massive edges. But like, we've seen it time and time again, man. It's so hard to beat a team when there's just one guy who's clearly better than everybody else. It's, I mean, the, the history of our league is that one guy ends up on top. All right. Let's get to a little segment we like to call for our Thursday episodes. Real one of the week where we point out a person, entity, or an organization that won the week. I'll go first, and we'll give it to Ron and our guest. My first one is one Kendrick Lamar, who was finally having fun. I was really happy to see his last uh, video with Baby Keem, where he's having fun. There's been a lot of heavy albums for the last 10 years, and I was really excited to see him smile for the first time in 10 years. So Kendrick Lamar, Real One of the Week. Raja, who is your Real One of the Week? Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to, to one of my old buddies, man, who who was uh, one of my vets when I was in Dallas, and he just got the head coaching job with the Milwaukee Bucks, one Adrian mm. Griffin. Um, a salsa to earth type of teammate, man, good dude, always looked out on multiple fronts for a young cat in the league just trying to find his way. He's been an assistant for a lot of really good teams. He's I, I don't know what kind of head coach he's going to be, uh, you know, admittedly, but getting an opportunity at it with a franchise like the Bucks and a star like Giannis, I'm really excited for him. So shout out, real one, Adrian Griffin. Shout out because those jobs aren't typically the ones that go to people like AG. Like, you usually got to <laughs> go get you a shitty job with a bunch of 12-year-olds. And like, and by the like time Houston. you get them a little, <laughs> yep, <laughs> by the time you get them a little developed, then they fire your ass and hire someone else. So shout out to him. Oh, my real one of the week. I got to go with, I got to, you know what, man? I shouted this guy out on a different podcast. I'm going to do it again. It's uh, Omar Kanani. Omar is the guy who he trains Caleb Martin. He trains uh, TJ Warren. He trains, obviously, Cody Martin as well. And he trains J. Cole. And the J. Cole story has been everywhere about how Cole was the one that put the call in to Karan Butler. So you guys should give a look at this Caleb Martin kid and got him into the informals. And the informals that led to a two-way deal that led to Caleb Martin arguably should have been the conference finals MVP. So it's a crazy ride, and Cole did do that. That is a true story. But the reason why Cole knows who he is is because Omar was training them at Cole's. Cole's got a practice facility at his house. so um, <laughs> they, that's. But they play a bunch of pickup ball there, all the pros, like David West and all, all these uh, North Carolina pros, guys that played at, you know, uh, James Mays that played at Clemson. And all these guys who are local guys, they go play pickup there in the summer, and Omar does a lot of off-season training there. And so that's how Cole knew the, the Martin twins and Caleb in particular. And he was like, what do you mean you're not signed anywhere? You're you're just sitting around? And that's how that happened. So shout out to Omar, even though that's fire. he's an asshole. I ain't, I ain't <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> you can't, yeah, keep that shit in. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, thanks up. so much for coming on, bro. That has been another edition of Real Ones, friend of the show. All right, man. It's Thursday, so you know what that is, man. It's time for me to go watch Kardashians. Um, I'll see you guys on Monday. <laughs> Tap in. Ah, all the shits. See y'all Monday. Bye. <laughs>
When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.